Uh, let's begin by reading Psalm 23 together as we have the last couple weeks. Can you throw that up there for me, Lincoln? <clears throat> is it working? Yeah, there we go. Thanks. Let's read this together. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. I want to uh, focus this morning on this verse, verse 6 of Psalm 23, the last verse, Psalm 23, just six verses, and uh, we'll focus on the last one. David writes, surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Two quick translation points here. Sometimes uh, the, the word your is omitted, Some, it's, and most of us maybe grew up, uh, those of us who grew up in the church, um, surely goodness and love will follow me. My guess, I don't know this, but my guess is that this translation has inserted the word your to make clear what is implied throughout the whole psalm. And, and this is important because David is not talking about some impersonal unrelated goodness uh, that is somehow going to just be a part of his life. He doesn't believe he's going to have good luck the rest of his life. That is not what he's saying. He's talking about the goodness of God, a very personal goodness of the good shepherd with whom he will continue to experience um, life for the rest of his life. The personal presence of God is going to be with him all of his life. That's what he's saying. And then sometimes this, this is translated, your goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And that's because the word that is translated love can also be translated mercy because it actually means both. It's the word has said. I've talked about it before. It's one of the most powerful words in the Bible. It is a word that is uh, meant to communicate God's emotion for his people. God's, sometimes it's translated God's loving kindness. It is the combination of mercy and love. It is, what David is saying is that I am going to be followed by this good merciful affection of God that I did not do anything to deserve. I didn't earn this. It's not because I made it through the valley, for instance. Uh, no, this is just the nature of God. His love is toward me. It's for me. It will never leave me. And it is just such a powerful word, this has said, this loving kindness. God's loving kindness, his mercy, it's always going to be right here. It's just always going to be just right here. Right? So um, that's where we're headed. Are you enjoying football season? Some of you? Yeah. My daughter is in college, and no, no, somebody isn't. Yeah, see, that's where I thought you were going to, yeah, that's right. This is where we're on the same page, Pat. So the balance of my house has shifted. It's complete, it's almost, I mean, it's like now I've gone from one daughter, two boys, to just boys. So it's like, so Matthew comes up to me uh, a couple days ago, and he's like, you know what's great, Dad? There's football on Thursday night. 
There's high school football on Friday night. There's college football on Saturday. There's pro football on Sunday. And there's pro football on Monday night. Dad, there's only two days of the week. There's no football. <laughs> Loved it. Here's an image to kind of play with this morning. Um, and so head coaches wear these headsets. You've probably seen this. They wear these headsets because they got a whole coaching staff way, way up high on the Eagle's Nest or whatever up on top of the stadium. You can see the game. And so they got these headsets. And until 2014, these headsets all had cords. But then wireless technology caught up, I guess. And so now most of these guys are wearing headsets that do not have cords. Um, I used to wonder, man, what a lousy job. Who gets the job of, like, carrying the dude's cord around and having to chase him around? Who wants to be that guy, right? Follow the coach around, make sure he doesn't trip on the wire. Okay, so <laughs> I looked into this. That's Corey Reblin, the dude in the blue. Now he's wearing white in the white hat. Corey Reblin. Uh, he, for three years, his job <laughs> was to handle Jim Harbaugh's court. Uh, he's the head coach of Michigan, right? University of Michigan. So for three years, this is what this brother does. He walks around be behind this head coach with 40 feet of cord, and he's got to, like, stay with him. Apparently, um, the wireless technology was just not good enough for Jim Harbaugh. He wasn't happy with it. So he was in 2015, 16, and 17, and that's where the article ended, so I'm not sure. Maybe he, he's still the only Division I head coach that's not going wireless. He wants it old school, so he's got his cord, which means he's got Cordy. That's what they call him. His name is Corey Reblin, and they call him Cordy the Cord Guy, and he's always right there with Harbaugh. So every picture of Coach Harbaugh, and if you don't know football, he's one of the more popular, famous coaches. Every picture of him for the last three years, you got Cordy the Cord Guy right in there because Cordy's never more than just three or four feet away from Harbaugh anytime, anywhere, and he's become kind of a a celebrity in Ann Arbor, where University of Michigan is. So there's things like this, like Harbaugh and Cordy go shopping, and there he is, backing him up. Isn't that hilarious? It's a totally silly example. But um, one of the things that's interesting about <laughs> being in every picture of Harbaugh for three years straight is he, Cordy the Cord Guy, he no longer works for Univers University of Michigan. Now he's the head equipment manager for the Buffalo Bills which is a step up. So because he got unprecedented press for so long because of this wire thing, this cord thing. All right, he will always be there. Super silly example, right? But David is writing about this kind of concept. I'm trying to like give you an image that hopefully will kind of stick a little longer this week. God's goodness, God's love, all the days of our lives where? Will follow us, will be with us right there. So I want to ask three questions this morning about the goodness of God. Real simple sermon, and then I want to um, invite someone up to share with me for a few minutes. First question about the goodness of God is this. It's the when question. When will I experience God's goodness? For most of Psalm 23, the first five verses of the six-verse psalm, David is writing about experiencing God's goodness right now. That's what's so remarkable about this psalm. It's about the present. Um, we might not even notice this psalm, in my view, if David were talking about the goodness of God in the midst of wonderful times. It's almost like we expect that. But the reason Psalm 23 stands out throughout the history of the church is that David is talking about experiencing the goodness of God 
in good times and in bad times, really hard times. Last week we talked about, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, David is talking about good times, peaceful times that the good shepherd leads him through. But what may, may be a bit surprising is that he also is testifying to experiencing the goodness of God in hard times. And, and what's remarkable about Psalm 23, and, and the reason I think it's such a powerful and life-giving psalm, is because David is testifying to experiencing the good, the good presence of God right in the midst of his suffering. Right, right in the midst of the pain, right in the midst of the dark time, in the time of his life when he's walking through what he describes as the valley of the shadow of death. When does, so this is the question, when does David experience God's goodness? The answer is now, right? In the present. He experiences the goodness of God. This is his testimony. This is his story. In the present that's the message of the first five verses. And then there's a cool surprise in verse 6. The, the verb tense changes from present tense to future tense. So for five verses, the psalm is about God being with David now. David recognizing the presence of God now. And then in the sixth verse, David looks to the future. And as David looks to the future, he is full of confidence and faith. And here's why. And this is so important. David's experience in this present moment is what gives him the confidence for the future moments. His experience of God here, now, is what causes him to believe that God will be there later. You follow me? Otherwise, this is just a hypothetical kind of hope. But it's more than that for him. He's declaring something really strong in verse 6. And the fact that he's experiencing the presence of God even in the valley of the shadow of death, well then, okay, so he knows God's going to follow him and be with him always. He's sure about God's presence going with him into the future. Surely, that's what he says, surely your goodness and love will follow me. Wow, I just experienced your goodness and love in the worst place of my life. So <laughs> I'm not worried, right? I'm not worried because I thought that might block you out, God. I thought that bad part of my life might make it so where we are separated for a time because you maybe don't come into the bad times with me. But no, actually, God does reveal himself to David even in the bad times. And so, well, then his confidence soars because now he knows God's going to be with him and he's going to experience God. Um, in the future. Now, there's two reasons this is so important for us to be tuned into the present moment. It's two reasons. It's so important for us to be tuned into the present. It sounds super simple, but it's remarkably challenging. Um, the, the, the first reason it's important for us to be tuned into the present is because this is the only place we can be. This is the only place we can be. The past is closed for us. We can remember it, but we can't go back. And the future is not yet available to us. We can imagine it, hope for it, Pray for it, dream about it, but we can't step into it yet. The only we are limited, finite creatures. We exist only now, so we must be here now. We must be now, uh, and, and and of course I'm here now. No, you're not. Half the, most of the time I'm thinking about something that already happened or something that I'm supposed to be doing or getting ready for in the future. It's just where it's just where I live. I rarely succeed 
at being fully present. It just rarely happens. Um, physically, clearly, I'm here. But mentally, this is so challenging. So it's very important for us to be here now, specifically for us to be now. Um, because now is the only time we can be. And then the second reason it's important for us to be in the present moment is that the present moment is the only time we can experience God. It's the only time we can experience God. Uh, is God in the past? Absolutely. He is present to the past because God's outside of time. He created it. He's outside of it. He's present to the future. It is all present to God. But it's not all present to me. I'm only just now. So the only place I can be, the only time I can experience God is, is where I am right now. Um, and, and so this is really important because this is, it feels a bit limiting to me, but it's not limiting. Because what, what this is to say is that everything I need, everything I need to heal from the past, to get perspective on the past, is present to me now. I, I have to experience it. I have to receive it from God now. And, and this is what really, like, inspires me, is everything I'm going to need in the future, I, I need to receive it from God right now. Right now is where I can. So it's very important for me to be present to the moment. Two reasons. One, it's the only place I can be. It's the only place I am. And it's the place I need to be to receive what I need to receive from God. Right, right here. That makes, I hope that made sense. Um, one of the things that we need for the future is assurance that God will be there. You get a diagnosis. Oh, my goodness. Is he going to be there as I go through the pain? Life changes. Am I gonna, is God going to be there? The, one of the things we need for the future is assurance that God's going to be there. Where, I should say it like this, when do we receive the assurance that he'll be there? We receive that assurance right now, right now i got to be present to him right now. The only place I can learn the truth, be assured of the truth, is here now so I can walk confidently into the future. So according to David's testimony in Psalm 23, when will I experience the goodness of God? Now and later. That's what he says in verse 6. Today and tomorrow. Um, so to, to kind of make up a word, um, God is present every when. Every when. Second question about God's goodness is the where question. Where will I experience God's goodness? In Psalm 23, David testifies to experiencing God's goodness in at least three places. The first place is before me, in front of me. In verse 2, David says, God leads me beside quiet waters. In verse 3, David said, he guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. In verse 5, David said, he prepares a table before me. So God's goodness is before me. God's goodness is right in front of me, according to David. And then the second place we experience the goodness of God is beside me. This is what David testifies to in verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of the death, you're with me, right beside me, right next to me. And the third place that we experience the presence of God is behind me, in a sense. This is what... He says at the end of the psalm, surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. So if we want to just go ahead and enter into the ramifications of the language that he's using and think about it just very practically and, and literally in terms of space, where will we experience God's goodness? Well, in Psalm 23 alone, before me, beside me, 
behind me. Like the first song that we sang, it's, a, it's the content of a prayer that's attributed to St. Patrick, which I'll probably use for the benediction today. The presence is before me, it's beside me, it's behind me. And in, in a word, everywhere, everywhere. <clears throat> this shows up all over the Bible. Psalm 139, David prays, you hem me in behind and before. Isn't that a cool image? You hem me in. You like, whoop, wrap me up behind and before. The prophet Isaiah speaks to the people of Israel about being delivered from their oppressors. He says, the Lord will go before you and the Lord will be your rear guard. He's before you. He's behind you. He's with you. So the first question I asked is, when will we experience God's goodness? According to David, specifically, and the whole Bible in general, we experience God all the time, every when. In good times and in bad times, God good, God's goodness is past, present, and future. Second question I asked, where will we experience God's goodness? According to David's Psalm 23, specifically, and the whole Bible in general, um, ex- the answer to the where question is everywhere. In front of me, beside me, behind me, God's goodness is all around me. Final question. What if I don't experience the goodness of God? What if I don't experience it? Even though God's goodness is all around us all the time, we are not always aware of it, right? We do not always sense or feel God's presence. There are two scenes, two uh, seasons in my life so far which reached like red level pain, challenge, brokenness. In one of those seasons, I did not have any perception or sense of the presence of God. It was one of the things that made it so hard for me. It's like, wow, I thought. I've heard people say that in hard times you're near, but I wasn't sensing or feeling that. It was crazy. It, it was like, and then nine months later, like all of a sudden I felt like the cloud passed and I had this return of a sense of the nearness and the goodness and the affection of God. It was really, and then the other really hard time in, in my life, um, I felt like God was right here the whole time. I felt like I was having a conversation with Jesus at a, at a level of intimacy that had been unprecedented in my life for like three years straight. I mean, I just felt like I could feel his breath so close. Well, were you like in sin? The fir- no, I, I, I don't know any difference between the two. I, sometimes you perceive the, sen- the presence of God. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes you feel the presence of God. And, and sometimes you don't. There's this um, well-known story at the end of Genesis about Jacob Really quickly, he deceives his father, he cheats his brother, he gets caught, and so he's on the run. The sun goes down as he's running away, decides he better stop, rest for a bit. As he sleeps on the side of the road, he has a dream about a stairway to heaven, which becomes a really great song. And uh, when he wakes up, Jacob says this, he says, surely the Lord is in this place, but I was not aware of it. That's his line. Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. And he goes on to say, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Well, the night before, it was just a wide spot on the road. The only reason he stops is because he gets tired. 
Was God's presence there? Yeah, it was. Was Jacob aware of it? No, he, he wasn't aware of it until after the dream. This introduces a much larger discussion about the difference between perception and reality. And this is what we're going to sh shift into in November. I have a four-part series where I'm going to talk about the difference between perception and reality. But for today, I would just plainly say it like this. Sometimes we sense the goodness of God, and sometimes we don't. <laughs> sometimes we feel God, and sometimes we don't. And, and our perception is just that. It's senses and feelings. It's not necessarily reality. And you could all come up with examples of things that are real and you don't sense them or you're not aware of them. The message of the Bible is very clear on this. God is here, God is now, and God is good. Very clear. God is here, now, and he is good. That's reality. We can count on that whether we perceive it or not. Whether we perceive it or not. And the lack of perception of the assurance of the love of God is no small thing. I'm not diminishing that. That's a, that is a, that's kind of, uh, we, we long for that. And some of us have had glimpses of it, and some of us haven't. Um, but but uh, in a minute, I'm going to ask Melissa Gargillo to join me up here on the platform. We're going to talk for just a bit. But let me end this teaching segment with just a, a final thought about this last image that Dave, David presents in Psalm 23. David's final sentence here is, Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Think about the image of a house. Think about the reality of a house. If, if you ask me, hey, where's your house? I would say, oh, it's, um, it's about a mile west. Or I might say, it's just down the road, um, right down 5th Street. Or if we were walking in our, in our neighborhood and, and we came around the corner and, I didn't know you lived here. Yeah, you live, where's your house? I would say, oh, it's just right around the corner and then down a, just a few houses. It's just right around the corner. But then let's say you ask me that same question when we are talking together in my home at my house, in my house, and you say, for some reason, you say, hey, where's your house? Um, I would say, well, we're in my house. We're, we're in my house. In a, and that, so that's a little, bit of a, it's a little bit of a different way to answer that, isn't it? Things change a bit. We're in my house. So where's my house? Well, it's under us, and it's, it's over us, and it's all around us. When, when I'm not in my house, I talk about my house in reference to me. I describe where my house is in reference to me. I am the reference point. But when I'm in my house, now the house becomes the reference point because I'm just in it. I'm just in it. Right? So there's this amazing progression in Psalm 23. God is with me now. He will be with me in the future that's time. In terms of space, he's before me, he's beside me, he's behind me. There's this journey language, right? All through the psalm. In the whole journey, God is with me, with me, with me. And then in the end, I'm in the house of God. It ends with, with David saying, I'm in the house of God. 
So where? Well, above me, he's below me, right? In a different way. Not just in reference to me, but now I'm in him. And this is what Paul talks about. This is how Paul defines what it means to be a Christian. His favorite phrase is, in Christ. If you're baptized, you're baptized in Christ. You die to yourself and you live in Christ. We may not even be consciously aware of it, but if we're in Christ, he's all around us all the time. The good presence of God is above us, below us, behind us, beside us, with us yesterday, today, tomorrow. We can experience the goodness of God in every season of life. That's the big idea. We can experience the goodness of God in every season of life. All right, um, Melissa, would you join me up here for a minute? Give us just a sec. We'll move some things around. Thanks. <clears throat> so if you've missed the last couple weeks, um, I've really enjoyed having a couple people so far um, just join me for part of the conversation that we have together. Um, and the goal for this, friends, is twofold. We who are not in um, certain seasons of life need to be assured and reminded about the goodness of those other seasons. And those of us who are in certain seasons of life, we had a conversation, I'm not sure how to define this season of life me. One of my kids is gone. Two of my kids are not gone at college. Two of my kids are still in the house. Just turned 47. I, the second, I need, to, I need to recognize the goodness of this season of my life, right? Because there's some things about this season of my life that are specific to this season, and they will not always be a part of my life. I want to be aware of the goodness of God in this season of my life. So, so uh, I, I found it really um, helpful to just have a conversation with some folks uh, 13-year-old a couple weeks ago, um, Dr. Tony Carlisle last week. And so this is Melissa Gargillo. And she and her husband, Michael, have been a part of our community now for a little bit, more than a year. Um, two, three, one, I always underestimate. Um, and so uh, I've asked her to be a part of, to, to share with us a little bit. So can you, Melissa, talk for a minute about this season of life for you? How, what's going on in, in life for you right now? So lots is going on. Mm -hmm. uh, our move here from our retirement home um, has caused a big change in our life. We moved close to our kids mm -hmm. and grandbabies, four little girls, seven, seven, five, and one. And uh, so our life's gotten busier as we're involved with them. Um, but it's good. Mm -hmm. It's real good. Mm -hmm. As uh, as you were speaking, I was thinking, you know, the. The secret to finding the goodness in wherever that place is we're transplanted to, and we've been transplanted a lot in our walk with God, is really being present right there mm -hmm. and saying, God, what are you doing here right now with me? What's yeah. my part in this? I want to join in with you, mm -hmm. not make it what I, it's supposed to be. You know, like I'll speak for some of us and maybe not all of us that, that are retired. There's this kind of thing out there that we're supposed retirement is supposed to look a certain way and you're supposed yeah. to go on so many cruises or da -da 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 -da. <laughs> yeah and um we've tried a little bit of that and we do 
we do that. <laughs> I'm not saying that's bad. Yeah. But our past experiences with God have kind of put us in a place where that's not enough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We want to. We really love being where God has us mm-hmm. among this church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and finding the excitement of what He's doing with us in a situation, I still find the most amazing experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So what's interesting about the Gargillo's story, there's so many things that are interesting about your story, but you folks came out of uh, vocational ministry, purchased a big piece of property in Oregon, developed this retirement home, you said, like this place you thought you were going to be for a long time. Yeah. Retreat center and you're welcome to feel. And then you move to Lincoln at this stage in your life. So tell us a little bit about why you, why, what shifted there or why you ended up here. Well, um, there was some there were some physical things that that kind of shaped this. Mm-hmm. We were we both were gardeners and we created a monster of a little farm <laughs> called <laughs> Stillwater's Farm. Mm-hmm. Um, the twenty third Psalm was our meditation in developing that place, wow. and um, spent a lot of years just going back to that Psalm. But yeah. um, we got older and we really had created this monster and we thought, you know, we really can't do this by ourselves. We can either do people stuff or we can do the physical stuff, okay. but we can't, you know. Yeah. And age was kind of, like, and God never brought anybody to work with us hmm. for any long period of time. Mm-hmm. So it was just us. Mm-hmm. So it, it caused us to go into a time of prayer. We took a year and we prayed and we thought we would stay in Oregon somewhere closer to one of the churches that we loved mm-hmm. up there. Um, and as we prayed, it was almost the year was up, and Michael walks into me one morning after quiet time and says, I think God's spoken to you. He's supposed to move closer to the kids, hmm. you know, because our son had decided to move with his family up to Rockland, his okay. three oldest, and our daughter's in Rockland. And it's like when he said it, I just wept, you know, because hmm. it was my, I realized it was my heart's desire. I really, really, hmm. really sometimes when you're following the Lord, it's really, Sometimes you're afraid to look at your heart's desire that it might be different mm-hmm. than what God had planned. Mm-hmm, and you don't walk good. away from what God has real fast because he took us there yeah. and he used us there. Yeah. And it was a good place. It was a good time. Mm-hmm. It, we did a lot of work in us through spiritual formation practices mm-hmm. and really practicing hearing him, being with him, walking with him. It was good. Mm-hmm. It was real good. But this was right. And what a lot of things happened that really proved it. I mean, a house sold without us telling anybody wow. one person uh-huh. it's like i want that place you know really <laughs> really okay <laughs> you must not want it this is what we're going to charge okay we'll take it like, okay i think we're going <laughs> <laughs> wow and, uh, our kids were shocked but yeah you know so god did a lot of things to mm-hmm. really open the door for mm-hmm. us to be in this place yes oregon is beautiful yes i love oregon it is me living in the country yes but this is a really good place because, God, the presence of God is here with us. He mm. brought us here. Mm. There's no doubt about that. No, that's no. good. Okay, I want to end with that. Before we get to that, what is challenging about this season of life for you? Okay, aging. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, it's yeah, it's there's a lot of challenges because things are changing. And, you know, I the things I have in my head to do sometimes I don't have the energy to do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's why I'm not in kids' ministry anymore. Bless you who are. (laughs) Um, But what's challenging is uh, now we're really involved with our grandbabies. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
And I see the pull the culture has on you. Mm-hmm. You know, like your grandparents made them, hey, be thankful. And the culture is very strong, and I don't think we can talk about it together enough. Mm. It's molding our children. Mm-hmm. And I hear it from their little mouths when I'm doing ponytails in the morning and braiding mm-hmm. hair and brushing teeth and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> Get out the door. And I hear their little hearts, and I think, you know, that's not who you are. Mm. That's not who you are. That's not who you're meant to be. Mm. God has so much more for you. Because that person said that about you, I think we could, you know, they're little things, but they're big things, and they shape our lives. Yeah. And so... I use my spiritual practices with these kids, and I, I try to call out the good I see. Mm-hmm. And I speak out the truth of who they are. Mm-hmm. That's not who Jesus is. Mm-hmm. He's in you. Mm-hmm. That's not who you are. Mm-hmm. And so I have a lot of opportunities uh, to minister, which means I have to stay present. Yeah, for tuned sure. Tuned in. Don't tune out. Don't mm-hmm. do this old person kind of, I'm out here, Lord. You know, <laughs> move. Uh-huh. I have to. Know, take good care of myself so I can be there. Yeah. And be ready to hear them and speak into their little lives. Because honestly, guys, I can't do anything better than this right now. Mm. We cannot do anything better than speaking to their lives. And I was I was mm. always in kids' ministry before, but now I'm really deeply involved in four little lives and their parents. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a challenge though. You know, I get tired. I bet. Yeah. But God repairs and renews you, mm-hmm. and you're really on his team. Yeah, good. So shift now and focus on what's what's good about this season. You've already started to touch on it, but yeah. talk. let's just spend a few more minutes on what is, in your perception. Let's say my perception. Uh, well, it's, no, not that it's illegitimate, right? No, but like but from your experience, we want to hear from your experience to help me see what is good about this season of life for you. You know, when we talk about the valleys, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I think that um, when you're young, the valleys look very deep and very dark. Mm-hmm. And if you do not walk through those valleys in the presence of the Lord, they are deeper and darker than uh, than, we, than we can handle, really, yeah. as human beings. And what I've learned through my valleys is that he is present. Mm-hmm. And I need to turn from the situations of the valley and look to him. And the older I get, the faster I do that. I know when I look back, the valleys are where I've learned the deepest things I know about God. Okay, so that's really important. That's yeah. where, that's your, that's your learning place. Get wow. your journal out, mm-hmm. write it down, um, go back and read it. The things I learn in, in, uh, the valley are, are, are where I open myself up actually to hear more of God. I think that's a better way to say it. Mm-hmm. I can hear God faster, closer, more intimately in the valleys than I can in the good times because I just do my own thing sometimes in the good, time, right. good times. Right, But in the valley, so when I see a valley coming, and I'm, I can actually, I don't know if any of you can identify this way or older, you kind of see it coming. It's like, oh, here it comes, mm-hmm. Lord. You know, whether it be a health issue, mm-hmm. uh a family issue. Right. Uh, we're living in the midst of a lot of family now, and there's always personality things that are challenging. Uh, things that come, it's like, okay, all right, I'm praying, and let's do this. Yeah. I don't walk away from it anymore. It's like right. I walk into the valley. I'm aware I'm in the valley. 
stay very close, longer quiet times, mm. longer times with the Lord, because it's not me, mm. it's Him. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And my practice is to just really try to, to stay close. I think that's that's where we despair, mm -hmm. is right. when we don't feel the presence of God, mm -hmm. right? Right. Because we despair. And there's such a p strong pull to run yes. away from the valley, um, away from the tension, the conflict, the, d the difficulty that you see on the horizon. I mean, that's just natural, right? We... We have this incredible desire to run and this deep need to not run, mm -hmm. but to remain and to be, and, and not just even to remain, but to be present so be that, like you're present. saying, these can become times of, of learning mm -hmm. and uh, deeper, deepening our experience with God. Yeah. 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 And it's good, you know, and that's where the goodness comes. Mm -hmm. It's like you realize that when you let God, like God's always present. We're right. the ones that wait. Right, you right. You just have to remember that. God yeah. is always present. He is before you, beside me, behind me, above me, and below me. Mm -hmm. He is all around me. His presence is good. He is only good. And mm -hmm. I think that's the thing we have to work on, too, right. from so past experiences, is your picture of God um, can be very wrong. And that will lead you into you, how you experience the valley. But God, know this, that he is faithful and he's good and he's with you mm -hmm. in everything. He wants to be. Mm -hmm. We have to turn from our hanging on mm -hmm. to lies or the way we think things should be in life, um, our cultural pulls, mm -hmm. and turn. Mm -hmm. Just turn. It doesn't take much turning. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. sometimes it, people call it repentance. Right. You know, right. But the turning of our uh, the way we think, and just say, God, come into this place and help me with my unbelief. Help me with my struggle. Yeah. I know it already. Yeah. And let yeah. me see what you're really doing here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, it's been super inspiring to talk to you over the last couple of weeks and just hear the sense of purpose that you and Michael have for this season. And it's very, it's very specific. It's, it's very specific. tied to specific individuals, yes. even. Yes. It's not this vague no, sort of, I believe there's some sort of, but it's, 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 it's almost like it's become increasingly specific. Yeah. You've gone from this retreat center, anyone is welcome, to we move to this town to be with these people, specifically these little girls yeah. or these little kids. Yeah. yeah it really is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's kind of, it's, it's easier that way. I mean, hmm. I can say no to some things knowing that this is where I'm to put. Okay. Yeah. My time, my yeah. what I, my, the, the energy allotment that I have, mm -hmm. <laughs> which <laughs> some days, you know, mm -hmm. yeah, it's, you know, but uh, they know too, they're so quick, they're so cute, they know that Nana moves a little slower, uh -huh. but on a good day, uh -huh. they expect me to go to the top of the jungle gym with them, you know, yeah. it's like, well, Nana, come up here, and it's like, really? <laughs> look around, okay, all right, <laughs> let's do that, and there's some days I don't, you yeah. know, yeah. but, uh, the love that I get back mm -hmm. is incredible. Mm -hmm. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And you said that you are sowing into yeah. your your family I'm in this sowing, season. Yeah. What an opportunity. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've I've taught other people's kids. Mm -hmm. I taught my kids. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, Michael and I both did, but uh, in the kids ministry I, I did, but now I have the opportunity to um really speak into what they're learning and what they're hearing and and to uh, share Jesus with them in a really uh, different way, actually, than I used to teach. Mm -hmm. It's more experiential mm -hmm. and then invite them into it. You know? mm -hmm. And that is really, that is really a blessing. I, yeah. I can't, 
I don't have words for that. Yeah. It's horrific. No, I love Hol- that. It's holy grail. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah, I feel like I hear two themes I hear from people my age. I didn't know my grandparents, or I hear my grandparents prayed for me. My grandparents taught me about Jesus. My grandparents prayed for me before I knew the Lord. They Mm -hmm. prayed for my family. My grandfather was a pastor, and his children fell away from the Lord. And they prayed faithfully. And um, my sister and I came to the Lord. I'm using kind of old language here, but Mm -hmm. came back to the Lord. And um, we both know it was faithful prayers of grandparents. Never, never, never give up. And it anchors me. They're the truth of who they were in my life. Their love. Mm -hmm. They showed it through. Anytime the door was open, Melissa, wow, so good to see you. So good. Mm -hmm. And uh, that kind of love changed my life so that when the truth was shared with me, that kind of came flooding back. Yeah. And they sowed those seeds for yeah. me. So That's good. Good thank stuff. you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, the genesis for this series, friends, I'll just tell you, I didn't even plan to share this, but about eight, nine months ago, and I kind of felt this sense that we should do a series around this idea. It's those of you who are leading into retirement age or are in retirement age. I, I feel like we focused on young families um, mostly, and but we are so in need of the um, those of you who are in this this season of life to be alive in your faith, to be pursuing Jesus, and to be investing. We need you, and the the, the worst case scenario would be uh, if folks at this age of life, that this season of life, felt like they were not important or not needed. Um, the the goal is, the hope is, and the need is for you to be continuing to sow into the life of the, of the community. We absolutely need. Um, this season is critical, right? This is the season of persevering that we younger folks need to see that's possible and that's what it looks like, right? Yeah. Last one more thing, sure. Yep. So here's something that I meditate on and try to say to myself all of to- uh, the time. Living in this um, culture, which is a lot faster than me and stronger than me, I say to myself, and this was given to me, this wasn't something I made up, I am, I am one in whom Christ dwells and delights, and I live in the strong and unshakable kingdom of God. Mm. That's the truth. Right, right. Whatever I'm doing, that's the truth. Mm-hmm. I don't fit into this kingdom that I live in mm-hmm. and carry up, mm-hmm. but I do fit in his kingdom because he's brought me into it. Amen. Would you read that one more time, and we'll just use that as our prayer. Let's pray this together. I am one in whom Christ dwells and delights, and I live in the strong and unshakable kingdom of God. Amen. Amen. Thanks for sharing with us. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you.